now she's dead, naked in the bush. How does that make you feel, Frank? And then he responded, happy. It made me feel happy. But then he jumps up and says, wait, this is a bunch of bullshit. I didn't do nothing. Welcome to Talk Murder to Me. So, our hints for tonight's episode. John gave us two. He was feeling generous tonight. Mm. Um, Hypnotize. No, hypnosis. Hypnosis. It's different. Hypnosis and BB guns. Do you know what a BB gun is? You shoot your eye out. Don't you can't like kids like shoot squirrels with it and stuff. I want a Red Rider BB gun. Right? Like from A Christmas Story. Yeah. Yeah. You'll shoot your eye out. So uh, based on our hints for this evening, we are drinking the BB gun, which is tequila, vodka, uh, Sambuca. But we didn't have Sambuca, so we went with Cointreau. About the same, right? Um, And some sour mix and lime juice. And it's kind of awful. I don't like it. I mean, I don't have all of my taste buds. Sorry, tacos. I've got a little bit of a cold. Oh, it almost tastes like a margarita. I'm down with it. Plus side is I can't really taste it. So, yeah, it whatever. tastes It tastes like a drink you would get at a dive bar. Mm. You know, when you're I already. I don't like, I think it's the orange I don't like. I think that we have determined that we do not like orange citrus drinks. I do sometimes, though. Like, it depends. Like, I like l- lime margaritas. Well, or yeah, but orange. Yeah. I mean, I like orange juice-based drinks, but orange liqueur, like orange liquor, yes. Orange-flavored liquor. Yes, agreed. Because isn't that what blue curacao yes, is? Like it's a little gross. B- I don't like uh, it. Yeah, it's, yeah, that was just a weird flavor. If you like blue curacao, come at me and explain why it's good. Plus, I just don't like things that stain my teeth, you know. You know what? I, I got some charcoal powder toothpaste. Oh, I was actually just going to buy some. You want to use some? Yes. How do you like it? It's weird. Can I use one? Yeah. I mean, it's like in a powder. I can pour some out and you guys can oh, have some. No. I Like, it's literally in my Amazon cart. Well, don't I've been buy wanting it. To try you can it. use some of mine. Well, we do. We're, we're kind of low on toothpaste. But do you replace it, or is it in every once in a while? Every, every once in a while, right. you use it. Well, don't. Oh, what kind of toothpaste do you use? I can get some at BJ's. Um. Well, I, it depends. I like the ones that don't come in a total tube. The ones that come in like a, it's almost Wish. like a little plastic square container, um, so that mind. way you don't have to deal with the rolling of the tube. Mm. I hate doing that. Yeah, I like we really don't, we hate don't that. Sell tubes. We do have some wonderful Taco Supremos who have joined us that we would like to shout out. Quite a few. We've got uh, Michael and Jen. Woo! And we have... Alicia. Alicia and Jonathan. Thanks, guys, for joining. We're really excited to have you on board. Yes. Yes. Uh, so our the shirts are on the way. If you want to be a Taco Supremo and join our exclusive online community, get the exclusive Taco Supremo shirts and a couple of different types of stickers, uh, go to talkmurder.com slash join. Also, fun fact for today, um, today in 1998 was the, or was it seven? Or was it nine? Anyway, today is the anniversary of the last episode of Seinfeld. So happy anniversary, Seinfeld. Surprise shots. Surprise shots. We don't know what they are because they're a surprise. (laughs) (laughs) Cheers. Uh, Cheers, bitches. Why do I feel like we're really dysfunctional tonight? (sighs) Oh, that's smooth. Refreshing. That's really good, actually. Jameson, is that my black barrel? And Nicole is nope. throwing up in a bucket right now. What is I'm the one who picked it. What is it? It's that peach mint Darius Rucker one. Oh, yeah. That one's good. Mm. Ugh. Ugh. Oh, oh, also today, or was it yesterday, that was Darius Rucker's birthday? Oh. oh, happy birthday, Darius Rucker. We saw you in Lowe's. I didn't want to say anything because I was I had some large wood, but <laughs> <laughs> not for you, but I was carrying wood. Out. It was Lowe's. What, Jen? <laughs> anyway, so 
Uh, another announcement that they're filming a Netflix show in Sham Creek. Mm-hmm. It's called OBX, Outer Banks. Mm. Oh, is that what it's called? Yes. That's the name of a railroad hmm. company, OBX. Oh. Well, apparently it's about teenagers who, like, there's, like, this huge power outage and they can't use their cell phones or social media or something. It's, like, supposed to be a thriller or something, I think. <laughs> oh, God. Wow. The and world's going to go to, to shit. To think, only 15 years ago that was reality. So where are we going and who are we killing? Jen. I think that we're going to go to Las Vegas, Nevada, and that someone is going to Ooh. a hypnotist show, and then they, they're, they like, hypnotized, and they, you know, shoot someone with a BB gun, but the BB gun gets lodged in the other person's, like, brain or something. Mm. I think we're going to New Jersey this evening. Because I'm going with the Atlantic City thing instead. Ooh, I've never been to Atlantic City. Me neither. Um, and I think the murderer has a history of torturing animals at a young age. We know that's one of our signs of a serial killer. So I think he's shooting BB guns at little chipmunks and squirrels as a kid. And I think he attempts to hypnotize his victims before he kills them. Ooh, interesting thought. You know what I think of when I think of BB guns? Hmm. Bart Simpson and his slingshot. Yeah. <laughs> Eat my shorts. Yeah. That was pretty good, actually. Yeah. Eat my shorts. No. Yeah. You know the guy that does uh, Bart Simpson is a girl? Yeah, she also voices Tommy Pickles on Rugrats. Anyway, all right. So we are going to Hilton. Head. No, uh, but I do want to say like Paris Hilton. I do want to say thank you for everyone that has been emailing me and showing me support. I am on my last week and the next week. So this will be the last episode of this crazy schedule. I know I haven't Woo-hoo! been putting them out on Taco Yay! Tuesday. Next week is starting fresh. the fresh schedule to a week, one Taco Tuesday, one Thursday, Supremo. If you want a story, then you better go to talkmurder.com slash join and become a member because I'm going to be rattling these stories out like nobody's business. That's right. We we just got four new Taco Supremos this week, so uh, we've got some work cut out. There's going to be lots of requests. We're in Hilton tonight. Hilton, New York is small, mm-hmm. oh, okay. small blue-collar farm town in, on the edge of Ontario. Oh, uh, west of Canada. West of Rochester. Now, we have a Talco Supremo from Rochester. We do. Around that area. Grace. Grace from New York. This is your story, and thanks for Hi. calling in. Grace. Hey, John, Nicole, and Jen. This is Grace from New York. I know you guys are doing my hometown today, I guess. So I hope you enjoy this episode. There's basically two stories in this Ooh. one story. It's a little, what do you call those things at Burger King? Double Whoppers. Whopper. No, not Whopper. Just double Whoppers, right? A double cheeseburger? No, not double cheeseburgers. Double something. Double, double. whammy? No, not double whammy. I know. What I know. Whammy. What's the thing a bird came with the double patties? Whopper. Uh, McDouble. That's McDonald's, but okay. Well, yeah. McDouble. Maybe it's not McDouble. It's something. Oh, it's going to drive me crazy. What is that talking about? It drives me crazy. <laughs> Whoppers. Anyway, all right. November 29th, 1988 in Hilton, New York. Now, Hilton is a blue-collar farm town on the edge of Ontario. Do you guys know what Kodak is? Kodak camera? Yeah. A lot of people in Hilton, New York, work or had worked in the 80s at the Kodak factory okay. on the ah, okay. machine. I don't think Kodak is. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, I, I don't think they're in business anymore. Yes, they are. That's Canon. No, they are. Kodak. Kodak? Is in, yeah, because CVS I mean, has the Kodak machines where you can print your pictures. The town is also a very large apple-growing community. So it's a very small town, Ooh. even though it's in New York. It's one of those outskirt towns. And a lot of apples. And one of the biggest crimes in Hilton, to give you an idea of the crime rate, is of kids stealing apples. Really? Oh. Nothing ever happens here. It's like it's, Aladdin. it's a small town. I'm talking about a couple thousand people. Everyone knows everyone. Uh-huh. They definitely knew both the victims in this story. And in fact, Grace, she'll tell us later, like the community, how bonded they were to the story when it happened. Hmm. Everyone volunteered. They 
printed over a million flyers for this story. Really? Yeah. So anyway, wow. all right. November 29th, 1988, a local hunter. It's always a hunter. Always a hunter. Yeah, there have been a lot recently. Well, maybe because people are dumping bodies in, like, the yes. isolated areas. Yeah. A local hunter was walking along, and there's an abandoned railroad track that goes through Hilton. He was walking down the tracks. This is late in the afternoon, and he came across... A body. Wow. Well, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know what we okay. were supposed to guess. <laughs> We've all done this so many times. <laughs> well, yeah. Nothing shocks us. Yeah. The victim of the story is Viola Manfield. Now, the difference about Viola. Okay. You hear that name. What do you think of? She's the man. Viola Davis. Oh, man. Boy. What, Violin. What? Viola is also an instrument. But you think what age range? Ain't? Older. Yes, yeah, so older name. Viola Manville is a 74-year-old grandmother. Oh no. Oh, come on. She's, what? Come Grace. on. Gary Craig, a journalist from the Democrat and Chronicle, described Manville as, quote, vivacious and a charming woman full of energy. She sounds like a spicy grandma. She is very spicy. She's like um you know that uh have you ever seen Grandma's Boy? No. no. Uh, that's a good movie. She I, sounds like she would be like Betty White in The Proposal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. That's her. Uh, she's great in that movie. I love Betty White. Well, she's yeah. dead she, now, right? No, no, she's not. She's alive. Although oh, Doris no. She died. Movies. No, no she, she did not die. She's alive. Doris Day passed away the other day, but Betty White is still oh, alive. I'm sorry, and Betty, if you listen to this. My favorite is when she's in the Snickers commercial. I love when she's in the proposal doing that. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Viola was very well known around town and loved by everyone. Also her prank show with the old people. Now, when Moreau County Sheriff Office, they arrive at the scene. So they're on these abandoned railroad tracks. There's like weeds growing up everywhere. It's in the middle of the freaking day. Right. Right. They're right. walking on these abandoned. They're literally having to put. I mean, because this is not like railroad tracks, like you know, Bill Clinton throwing people on railroad tracks. <laughs> these are all grown over. So they're pushing off weeds and stuff, and they look over to where the hunter directs them, and they see this seventy-four-year-old grandmother. The Monroe County Sheriff Office, the detectives there, were so shocked by the gruesomeness of this. Murder. It was unbelievable, the condition of the victim. Unbelievable. Oh, no. Awful, awful, awful. Oh, dear. Her pants were off. Mm-mm. Oh, no. Mm-mm. She was naked from the waist down, and her clothes was thrown into a bush. Oh, she gosh. was literally thrown into a bush as well. And keep in mind, she's 74. Yeah. Okay? Honestly, why do people commit these crimes against, well, Against anyone, but like especially the elderly and children. I, I don't. We don't have time for me to go on my soapbox, but I'm just gonna say it's just terrible, terrible, terrible. Another thing. This happened in the morning, okay? Because the body was found kind of in the late afternoon, so then it's like a morning thing. It's really weird, okay? Now, and also because all the neighbors that the police interviewed. Which all loved Viola. I mean, the whole town loves Viola. They claimed that her ritual was to walk the same abandoned railroad. You know how old people, if we got any older listeners, I'm not making fun of you, but they have a, a routine. They'll walk all the time. The same, you'll always see them at the same time, walk in the same place in the park or whatever. Yeah. You know? So she always walked at 9 a.m. in the morning on those abandoned railroad tracks. Like nothing changes. Saturday to Monday, or Saturday to Sunday, what is it? Yeah. Well, whatever, the whole seven Sunday days a Saturday. week, 365 days a year, 24-7, she... Wa- <laughs> no, that's a lot of walking. <laughs> and I will walk 500 miles, and I would walk 500. She wa- <laughs> she, 365 days a year, she walked every morning at 9 a.m. Even in the snow? Uh, 
And she would, ne- neighbors also claimed that she never walked in the afternoon. Like, her routine was, was 9 a.m. She was walking 9 a.m. They know that she was murdered around 9 a.m. Mm-hmm. Okay, I just want to plant that into you guys. Now, the actual coroner, or excuse me, the medical examiner could only claim for a sure certainty that she was killed within a 20-hour window of when the body was found. The body was found at 4.30 p.m. So a 20-hour window, it could have been midnight, you know what I'm saying, but if if you listen to the neighbors, she was walking. Yeah. Okay. And And she was was in... What's that? And that was her route. Yeah. Like she was found not where she would walk. Exactly. And I I didn't see pictures, but the way it was described in uh, several newspapers, she was beaten very badly in the... In her face with a blunt object, which later turned out to be the murder weapon was actually a uh, a part of a railroad tie. Ooh, yeah. So she was beaten to death. Her pants were stripped off, clothes tossed into the bushes. She was also shot twice in the face. Oh dear! With a BB gun, which is just cruel and unusual. Because hmm. yeah. I mean, a BB gun probably won't kill you. You get no, shot, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that was just kind of like a... I wonder if they shot her first to kind of, like, stun her. You know, like, to, to like... You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. No, I thought that, too. Was she assault, sexually assaulted? That never came out in the news, mm. and I... I want to say yes, but I can't, because the killer that was caught claimed that he removed her pants so she could decompose faster, you know, but why wouldn't he remove her top too? Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want to say that she was, but I honestly, I, I don't, I don't I, want I you to think that she was, even though it is, Possibly. in my mind, is very likely because that's why her only her pants were off, mm-hmm. and that's not something the police probably wanted to get out because she's a 74 year old grandmother. Right. They, they, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah, I have no idea. That was never publicly known, hmm. but. To play devil's advocate, though, like, yeah. why why wouldn't they, I mean, they should release that, even as tragic and, you know, demoralizing as it is, it's, you know, they, the family does have a right to yeah. that. I mean, maybe she wasn't, though, I don't know. But the, the killer did confess that he did it for decomposition re- reasons, which doesn't make any sense because why would you only take the pants off? It doesn't really make sense. All right, so who the hell would do this? Now, this case is going to be a little different, so I'm going to give you two suspects. One of them is the killer, okay? This case is kind of crazy. I'm not going to lie, and I'm going to give you two. The police had two suspects, and they knew without a doubt that one of these guys... Hmm. And they, these guys do not know each other, but one of these people killed Viola Manville, Manville that 74-year-old beloved, vivacious grandmother on those railroad tracks that morning. Okay, one of these two people. So I'm going to go over these two people. All right. All right, the first one we have is a 16-year-old local bully, delinquent. Whoa. Right. Quite the contrast. Well... The rumor mill was going around saying that he committed the crime. Now, I do want to point out many, for some reason, many local teens claim that they killed this woman. For Why? some, I, I don't know. I, it's like a bragging right. I have no fucking clue. Well, these kids are idiots. Like, why would you want to brag about that? Yeah, who you knows? Ruin your life. Street, doing that. street cred. You don't get street cred for murdering an elderly person. I'm sorry. I don't know. Yeah, you see that granny? Yeah. I caught her body. <laughs> Jen's been watching The Wire. <laughs> I have not. I'm just trying to catch up with yeah. the, li- the lingo. <laughs> yeah, I think you should have a lingo class before you watch The Wire. Because I had to look up some stuff. She got like, got. got, got. <laughs> she got got. I don't like right. that. She been had. I like what that. What was another one? I make that my was... own language. Anyway. Um, all right. So this kid... He was in and out of trouble teen homes. He was a bully. Everyone hated this kid. And he was bragging about this murder for some reason. Okay. He said he skipped first period and then 
he killed her, and then he went on his merry way to school. All right. He also tortured animals. So there's one of the the McDonald triad for you. Yeah. And uh, earmuffs Julie because he would actually blow up cats with firecrackers. And Grace. Grace is a big cat person, too. Oh, Grace. I'm sorry. Lots of people. All right. Well, so was he doing, but nothing to do with the animal cruelty with the BB guns. He just shot. I know. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure he's doing all kinds of stuff. I mean, if you're blowing up cats, I'm sure you're doing all kinds of shit with BB guns. I mean, yeah, he probably That's shot terrible. a million cats. But you know, there there is a card game called Exploding Kittens. Like I can only say he blew up cats. I couldn't find anywhere that said, "Oh, he also shot." I'm pretty sure he shot in a lot of cats. But what are you saying, Jen? There's a card game called Exploding Kittens. I'm sure it's fun. It's okay. Yeah. All right. So this kid's name was Mark Christie. Christie, C H R I S T I E. Like Christie. Chris Christie. Who is that? He's a governor of New Jersey. Oh yeah. Yeah. I wonder um, if there's any relation. Maybe. So he told fellow teens that he shot Manville twice in the head and then beat her face until she was quote unrecognizable which was actually consistent with the state that she was in. He had a somewhat alibi. The detectives came. They didn't interview him specifically, but they interviewed to see if he was at school that morning. And the school guard said, yes, he was at school in the morning at 9 a.m. Okay. He saw him there. That's what the school guard said. The police... Moved on after that. All right. So, wait, how old did you say that guy? He was 16 years old. Both of them were. No, just this one. Oh. What do you mean? I haven't got to the second one. Oh. Are you listening? It's interesting that. I thought you said that. I thought you were on to the second one. I I think it's interesting that he's bragging about killing this lady. Did he he confess to police about killing him? And then all, or, or was it. He was confessing to his friends saying he did it. And yeah, then the once they went to the police, yeah. Went, oh, but then when the police questioned him, did he say, no, I didn't do it? Yeah. Well, that's just stupid. All right. The next guy, Frank Sterling. All right. Now, three years prior to this in- incident on the railroad tracks, Viola Manfield was actually walking on the same exact railroad tracks about the same spot. And a guy named Glenn Sterling which is the brother. Mm-hmm. The suspect number two is Frank Sterling. Yeah. Remember okay. that? But his brother, Glenn Sterling, saw her on the tracks and attempted to rape her. Oh. Three years prior. Interesting. All right. Huh. So in roughly the same spot. Now, he it was an attempted sexual assault. He actually pled guilty. And it, it wasn't Glenn Sterling because he's still in prison at the time okay. Viola Manfield is dead. Wow. Okay, do you see what I'm That's saying? Quite the twist. But there's a motive there because now his brother, his younger brother, Frank Sterling, kind of has a motive because yeah. you put my brother in prison. Mm-hmm. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. All right. Now, and it would make sense if he, if it was, and I'm sorry, excuse me, if it was Frank Sterling, which we don't know yet, it would make sense if he did sexually assault her because it's like, well, you put my brother in in prison for this, so. I'm going to kill you, but also accomplish what he did not accomplish. Or it could be that they both have similar fetishes, if you will, of assault. All right. This is Mark Christie. Can you guys comment about what he looks like, please? That's his high school picture. Oh, he looks like... um Someone did Dawson Creek guy or something? No. A little. Like It's that hair. Look at the hair. That's such a parted. 90s... Uh, I don't know what it is about his... His picture, I know he doesn't look like these characters, but he reminds me of the O'Doyles from Billy Madison. What like, O'Doyles? O'Doyles rule! Like that. Oh, yeah. Like he just looks like a punk. Like he has a mullet. I thought you were going to say <sighs> O'Poyles from Always Sunny. Oh, gosh. No. I mean, he looks kind of jockish, actually. So he he's not the type of person that I would think would be bragging about killing an elderly person. He has a mullet, which reminds me, like... All right, this is Frank Sterling. Tell me, tell us what Frank Sterling looks oh, like. Oh, he's creepy. Yeah, like a fucking creepy murderer, possibly rapist. 
<laughs> wow. So he's kind of wispy, got big glasses. Um, yeah, super a big. A porn like, stash. Kind of Ron Jeremy. Glasses. <laughs> a thinner Ron Jeremy. A Bob Berdella. Receding yes. hairline. Yeah, he looks like Bob Berdella. Yeah. He looks a lot like Bob Berdella. All right, so let's see who did it. Let me see. And I realize we're profiling, but I don't care. Hey, it's not our fault that you look like that. Frank Sterling was a loner. He has numerous social anxiety problems. Like he didn't want to leave, didn't want to talk to anyone, didn't want to leave the house. Plus, his brother Glenn is a sexual predator. I mean, he's on a sexual registry list. Mm-hmm. So you're uh, going to tell us that he didn't do it? No, but I'm saying so. If your brother is on that list and you're in a very small town, when everyone knows everyone, you're embarrassed. By every it. you're embarrassed. Not only that, but people think you're like that as well. Right. right? I mean, so that's what he was dealing with. That now. Don Thompson, which is a defense lawyer that comes into this case, says, quote, Frank Sterling was a loner, not well socialized, eager to please. One of his names in high school was Bug Chow, because if you gave him a dollar, he would eat a bug. (laughs) (laughs) That's like at camp. I I would I would only do that for more money than a dollar. I wouldn't do it. I would do it at, at least. $2. $2. Uh, no, you'd have to pay me at least $30. <laughs> $30? Yeah. It's a bug. Yeah, exactly. You bug. eat at least four bugs a year Not when you're knowingly. sleeping. Not right. knowingly. Also, in camp, we had this juice. It, they called it bug juice. And there was a Disney Channel series called Bug yeah. Juice. Now, both of his parents were janitors. I don't know why that matters, but <laughs> he was actually living at home when this murder happened. He was 25 years old. He was only 25 in that photo. Yeah. He looks like he was like 47. Well, I'm sure he appreciates that. He did not age well. Um, Oh, yeah. Frank also lived 100 yards away from the crime scene. He also had a motive for a crime because she put his brother in prison. And in fact, Frank Sterling hated, hated, hated Viola Manville. Hated with a passion. I hate this woman. Hated her. He said that? Yes. He said that. Because of what? Sh- that and I'll, tell, of- I'll show you why he said that. Now. Okay. All right. But here's the thing. Frank Sterling was the school bus driver. And when detectives looked at the time cards, apparently he was working. He was driving the bus. Hmm. Or was he? You see what I'm saying? So he was driving the bus during the time from what the time card said. Yeah, but you're also you have a mobile job. You can punch your time card, drop the kids off at school, take a detour, kill this lady, and then punch your time card back off. You know what yeah, I mean? Maybe. Like it's not it's not out of the All question. Right. There are no no physical evidence linking either suspect to the crime, but they know. Well, they didn't know at the time, but I know. And I can tell you that is one of these two people. One of these people killed her. All right. Now, Frank had an alibi sort of after. So apparently he was at school driving the bus until 1.30. So the detectives were, because they, you can't say that she didn't have an afternoon walk. No one knows that for sure. And they don't know. And you remember the coroner said the uh, body was dead within 20-hour window. So mm-hmm. they didn't know when she died. So he still, his alibi of the 9 a.m. thing, like, didn't necessarily matter. I, I'm not saying that, but. At one, they were like, well, what would you do after you got homework? Well, I went home and I watched cartoons. Where no one can validate that I was doing no, that. No, he kind of did. He watched the Smurfs and the Chipmunks. And he told detectives the exact time they came on and the plots of each episode, which was a big thing because didn't, they didn't have Netflix back then. So it was like, you know, think about a, a series with... That. 200 episodes if you right. if you know what the episode's about obviously you probably watched it and they could have checked what they did check matched. they went to the tv stations and they checked and it, and it counted it it matched then he said i i then started to bake a cake i feel what like he doesn't <laughs> i feel like he doesn't eat real food he just eats cake <laughs> he starts cake. to bake cake but when he took the cakes out the cake out of the oven he 
realized he didn't have frosting. So he went to the grocery store, little Piggly Wiggly down the street, and he bought rainbow frosting. And he told the detectives, I bought rainbow frosting because they were out of maple frosting. So the detectives went to the grocery store and verified they were out of maple frosting. This is important. Why are you guys looking at me like that? <laughs> maple frosting? That's what I was, I've never that's heard what, of that. I know. That's what we were looking at it you for. Sounds like, it's gross. It does. It's like a maple yeah. donut. It's like what? a maple donut. But then again, yeah. he's Ro- Rochester, where he's at, is right maple by syrup. Canada. Maple so, syrup. man, I'm sure they get all kinds of maple shit. Now, rainbow frosting, was it the vanilla frosting with rainbow chips, or was it multicolored frosting? I think it was multicolored frosting. Can someone from the 80s please tell us? <laughs> because I wasn't even alive. Someone living like, still in the 80s. I would like to experience rainbow frosting. All right. You know what cake I love? What? Guess. Funfetti cake. Yep, that's right. We used to make the we used to make the funfetti um in the ice cream cones like we would put the 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 cake in the ice like cupcakes but you put them in ice cream cones and you frost them and they look like little ice cream cones they were so good man I love me some funfetti cake July tenth nineteen ninety one now we're going three years we're fast forward in three years they haven't arrested anyone the cops are getting a lot of shit for this case because no one in the town feel safe yet because there's still a murderer on the loose. Mm -hmm. But they couldn't solve this crime because the two people that they had, you know, that they thought could do this, both had pretty solid alibis. Does that make sense? Yes. So three years pass. Frank, he quit doing a school bus job and he got, he started working as a truck driver. Now he would drive these big old big rigs all across the county and state lines. I mean, he would drive all day. In fact, on July 10th, 1991, at 6 p.m., when he got off his shift and he pulled up into his trailer home, nothing wrong with trailer homes. We all come from humble beginnings here. When he pulled into his trailer home, he just got off a 36-hour shift of driving a truck. He's tired as hell. And this date matters because the local police, who has been questioning him for the last three years, they actually questioned him three or four times about this, trying to get him to confess or whatever. They, they were at his home waiting for him. All right. And they came out. This new young detective is on the case. His name is Patrick Crow. All confident guy. I'm going to solve this case red-handed or whatever. So he gets out of the car and he says, hey, Frank. Would you mind coming down to the station because we're re-interviewing people on the case and we're looking through the files and for some reason you didn't take a polygraph test. And he's like, okay, sure, huh. I'll come down there. At 7 p.m., Mark Sennett, which was the polygraph technician, comes into the little interrogation room or whatever, starts to strap up old Frankie boy, all these electrodes and stuff and tells him about the polygraph test and all that stuff. Now... The cops are under extreme pressure to get a confession somewhere. The polygraph technician, Senate, spends nearly two hours accusing Frank of being guilty, telling him he wanted to avenge his brother, lying to him, saying stuff like, your brother in prison told all the inmates that you avenged him by killing Viola Manfield. He said that, even though he didn't say that, they were lying to him, trying to get a confession. Right. right. Which they can do. That's legal, apparently. It's kind of fucked up, but it's still legal. I'm surprised because I thought, like, you're only supposed to ask yes or no questions for polygraph, right? No, I mean, they, they, that wasn't a question. It was like, your brother Just said this, you're guilty. He, he They were commenting him for hours about this stuff. They also said, we found your DNA at the scene. You just need to confess. Anyway, he didn't. Mark Sennett also asked Frank Sterling where Viola was shot with the BB gun while he's being hooked up to the polygraph test. And he'd be like, where where was she shot at? I just want to know. Was it the foot? Was it the hand? Was it the face? Was it the body? All this stuff. Now, the polygraph didn't move at all. Okay? So it wasn't like a yes or no question. But anyone that the actual murderer or whatever, it the needle would have jumped. In fact, Frank kept passing all the polygraph tests. But all what, the polygraph tests. Why would they? I mean, I know it's three hour. Uh, excuse me. I know it's three years later. But wouldn't that information as to where she was shot have been released to the public when they talked about the story? Yeah, initially? it was released. Yeah. So wouldn't anyone know that? 
Everyone probably knew that. So why would they bother asking that question? Because these cops really wanted to get a confession. Frank Sterling then said, quote, I didn't kill her, but I sure as hell could have. He hated her. Hmm. Hated, hated, hated that woman. Hmm. Now, midnight approaches. Now, remember, he gets picked up at 6 p.m. Now it's six hours later. He just got off a 36-hour truck driving binge, and now he's been sitting in a little box for six hours, and they've been playing mind games with him. Around 1 o'clock in the morning, the polygraph technician comes back in. The detectives are in there, and he's like, Frank. Now, they're being real nice to him, rubbing his back. Frank, it's been a long night. And we kind of all want to go home. Let's try a little, quote, relaxation technique. Now, the reason I said, quote, is because that uh, exact uh, word's come into play. They hypnotize In him. the courtroom. <laughs> all wow. Right. Let, hey, Frankie boy, let's try a little relaxation technique. Frank is still hooked up to the polygraph machine. The detectives tell him to lay on the floor, which is very unusual, never happens, prop his feet up on the chair, and they're like, all right, Frank, take a couple deep breaths. In and out. You know, just relax. Everyone relax, you know. He's on the floor with the polygraph machine hooked up to him, right? It's fucking crazy. So he was told to take four big deep breaths, and right then the polygraph technician slides over his chair closer to Frank, and he holds his hand. It's like, I'm here with you, man. Let's... You know, let's try to solve this together. He says, picture yourself running happily on these abandoned railroad tracks. It's sunny. There's daisies everywhere. And you're laughing. <laughs> I'm having so much fun. The sun like, is shining. Like, like in Happy like, Gilmore, you, your happy you're place. Skipping. You're, he's skipping along. <laughs> like, you know that scene in Happy Gilmore where there's like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. With like the midget. <laughs> yeah. Excuse me, the dwarf. Yeah. So picture yourself just running along, laughing, smiling, but then you run into a lady. She's got gray hair, and all of a sudden you see her dead. Just flash back real quick. Now she's dead, naked in the bush. How does that make you feel, Frank? And then he responded, happy. It made me feel happy. But then he jumps up and says, wait, this is a bunch of bullshit. I didn't do nothing. He says that. I didn't do nothing. Now, now we're going on eight hours of being in this locked up chamber. Okay. Now, they kept, after when he was recalling that graceful evening jumping on railroad tracks, the detectives tell him, You failed your polygraph test, Frank. You failed. You did it. We know you did it. We all want to go home. You need to just sit down. I'm going to start this recorder, and you're going to tell us how it happened. So he starts the recorder, and I'm going to show you the video, but he makes a 20-minute confession about killing Viola Manville. Wow. 20 minutes? 20 minutes. That's that's quite detailed. In a very monotone very suggestive state. Frank, did you did you shoot her with a BB gun? Yes. Yes. I I killed her. I'll show you the video. But interesting. Wow. Now, one of the things that was used in court against Frank is he knew what she apparently. Now, I'll put a little asterisk by this because apparently, according to the detectives, Frank knew exactly in that imagination relaxation technique, he knew what color raincoat she was wearing, like a sports walker raincoat. It was a purple. Mm-hmm. He knew her that. But then again, it's a small town. Everyone's probably seen her in that a thousand times. Yeah. But that wasn't public knowledge. So they used that against him in court. True. I mean, especially since he lived 100 yards from the railroad track. Yeah. Um, maybe he could have been looking out his window one day and seeing her wear that and, and, uh, you know. Yeah. All right. Now at 522, he, he made that 20 minute statement and that slow defeated monotone. He agrees to every detail the detectives fed him on September 29th, 1992, Frank Sterling 
He pleads not guilty and he recanted his confession, but he was sentenced to 25 years to life in prison. Now, the judge, now this is from the Democrat and Chronicle from December 24th, 1992. The judge says, quote, you are a paradox. You lost complete control and exploded and committed a heinous act. And then Sterling looks at the judge and says, I'm innocent. Do you guys believe in hypnosis? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I can't be hypnotized. We had a we had a hypnotist come a few times uh, at, um, at my school during undergrad. And he would always, you know, it, it was the same guy. And he, he was like a, an R-rated or X-rated whatever hypnotist. It was really funny. Um, but he would have everyone, like, try to, you know, relax and fall asleep. And, and you know, people would go up on the stage and they would participate. And I never, I just couldn't. I just never really responded to it. Not intentionally. I just didn't. I wouldn't want to attempt to be hypnotized. I mean, I definitely think that people can be. I just don't want to put myself in that position. See, I would, yeah, I I agree, but at the same time, I, like, kind of want to. Curious. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I get that. I, I wonder what I would do. Because it was, it was, he had them doing some funny shit. I'm sure. I think for me it goes back to, although I'm curious, I think it goes back to me not having a sense of control of myself. Like when I get, you know, you know how sometimes drunk Jen comes, comes out. It's like actual sober Jen doesn't, doesn't love it, you know, because I feel like not in control. I don't like it. Of my, of my body, you know what I mean? Of yeah. myself. Best as you can remember. And I know this is difficult for you, okay? Did something happen with that BB gun? Yeah, I started it with it. What else happened? chats. It's weird how, how much they're touching him. Yeah. Like, that's definitely no no, especially today. Well, first, I mean, it depends. I think they would first have to get his consent. No, no, they you don't. just don't touch. You just they don't, don't touch. Detectives, people. what I've learned is they have that they could do a lot to get a confession, a lot. So let's talk about this crazy ass hypnotic technique from the Democrat and Chronicle. A friend of Sterling, Sharon Brock, she comes out the bat. She claims that she actually taught a very similar relaxation exercise to Frank Sterling when he was stressed and. Eventually, he got so good at it that he could imagine himself in different places and different settings and different climates and do about anything. Quote, he got to be wow. very good at it. Now, hypnotic susceptibility from Wikipedia measures how easily a person could be hit, can be hypnotized. Now, I want to say there are two scales used for the efficacy of hypnotism. One is the Harvard Group Scale of Hypnotic Susceptibility susceptibility, the HGSS. This is for large groups of people. If you want to hypnotize a lot of people and make them run around like chickens, hmm. they would use the Harvard group scale. Hmm. Now, the scales are basically telling you, basically on a 1 to 10, how easy it would be for you to go under hypnosis. Okay. And I would t- I'm going to tell you, well, so first off, Jen, you said you were easy to go under hypnosis? Not. No, I don't think I am. All right. Nicole, are you easy? I have no idea. You have can no we idea. Take a, can we take, so we'll take a quiz? A, yes. Yes or no? Uh, I'm going to say middle of the road. Okay. Before I even researched this, I always thought that I was pretty well at being hypnotized. Like you were susceptible? Susceptible, to- yeah. I'm very high in the, the range of being hypnotized. Oh, And I'd never been hypnotized, but I always kind of thought I would... Because I was into the lucid dreaming and stuff. Oh, I love so I would, the idea of yeah. lucid dreaming. Well, no, I've actually had lucid dreams. Yeah, you told me yeah, about that. I've had two lucid dreams better than Like one where you left orgasm. your body or the ones where you can control oh, your dreams? No, I've Thanks. never had an astral projection. And in fact, I don't even know if I, if astral projections are real. I feel like I'm afraid to do astral projection because I don't want like any evil spirits <clears throat> to be like watching me or whatever. Well, all right, so I I finished that. I just read that Carl Sagan book, and he claims that astral projection is bogus, but I don't I don't know. I don't know because— Carl Sagan, like the guy that wears the crazy suits? 
What? No, that's uh, the guy with the question marks. That's um, that. Never mind. Anyway, I had two lucid dreams in my life. Both of them are amazing. The thing about lucid dreaming is, okay, you know you can fly, right? But it's a lot harder than that. If you have a lucid dream, you're probably not just going to be able to get and fly around the universe. You mm-hmm. may, but the only limit, because there's no limits in a dream, right? There is, though. The only limit is if you think, I know it sounds ridiculous, but if you're in a dream and then you're flying and then you're like, wait, no, I can't fly. You're not going to be able to fly. Does that make sense? Right. You have like, to be, con- you're like almost, you're like semi-conscious. Well, you know, you are conscious, but you're also unconscious. I mean, you can't think that you're in a dream. No, no, you know you're in a dream. A lucid dream, you know you're in a dream. I've lucid dreamed, and I could sit here and talk about dreams for another three and a half hours. I think dreams are one of the most fascinating things in the entire world. And if I had the opportunity, I would have written, wrote, I would have written my thesis on it, but I was not allowed to. Um, there's also a scale, the Stanford Hypnotic Susceptibility Scale (SHSH). This is SHSS. This is for individuals. But both the scales are pretty self-explanatory. They just measure how well you be hypnotized. It is really widely argued that no person can be hypnotized if they do not want to be hypnotized, if they just are very adamant about not being hypnotized. And these people obviously scored low on both of these susceptibility scales. I thought you were going to say, and these people suck. <laughs> Highly susceptible individuals are usually considered, quote, fantasizers outside of hypnosis and exhibit the following. Number one, they fantasize much of the time. Number two, they report their imagery as vivid and real perceptions. Now, keep in mind, these are people that are highly susceptible. So if you got any of these six ingredients in you, then you are highly susceptible. Number one, you fantasize most of the time. Number two, True. you report your imagery and dreams as very vivid True. and real perceptions. This is why I told you all. Number three, having an earlier than average age for first childhood memory. Number four, recalling imagery, recalling imaginary playmates from childhood, right? True. Like, not like I see dead people, but actually playmates, you know. And number five, the final, I know I said six, but I misspoke. Number five, having grown up with parents who encourage imaginative play. Those are the five things. If you have any one of those, you are highly susceptible. Any one of those or a combination of a certain amount? If you have all of those, what depends? If you have like three of them, your score is higher than if you have two of them. It's all based on a scale. All right. But if you have all five of those, then you are probably hypnotized right now and you shouldn't be driving a car. (laughs) Dr. Herman Spiegel from Columbia University College of Physicians and Surgeons claimed that Frank Sterling likely wasn't hypnotized. And, quote, if Sterling's concentration style is regarded as hypnotic compliance, then many others could commit antisocial acts, confess to the acts, then claim exoneration under the umbrella of misunderstood hypnosis. Hmm. So he didn't agree with them. Now, Frank Sterling is in jail. Let's Still all be today? happy. Not today, no. Uh. Now, let's go to the second case. On May 23rd, which was a Monday, this is a very... Sad case and one that we're going to be hearing a lot from Grace. This is about three years later. A four-year-old named Callie Ann Poulton. A lot of people say her name is Kaylee. I may say Callie just because that's the way it looks and I'm not really good at names. So, But her name is probably Kaylee, K-A-L-I. Callie Ann Poulton goes missing in a span of five minutes. Okay, She was out in front of her mother's townhome at Gleason Estate. She was riding her bicycle with training wheels. She just started learning how to ride the bike. She was riding with training wheels. She was wobbling all over the place. She decided to stop and go back inside to get her big wheel, you know, the the, one, the actual tricycle, mm-hmm. to train more on that. Now, her mother, a legal secretary, had picked Callie up from daycare after her work shift. Callie went outside to play with a friend. The moms chatted. Like always, the mother goes inside to start cleaning up, does what she does. But the whole time, she's peering out of the front of this townhome window in her kitchen. She's looking at Callie. She never takes her eyes off of her, only for a few seconds. Callie comes in to get their big will, and the mother says, 
don't go for too long. I mean, she's just out in front. Don't play for too much longer because in five to ten minutes, I'm taking you to McDonald's. And she was, yeah, okay. Quote from her mother, I told her we were leaving in five to ten minutes. She said, okay, as she always does. That was the last time I've ever talked to her. After that, Callie was gone without a trace, vanished completely off the face of the earth. Both parents... And I'm sorry, I'm, I know I'm, if I sound like I'm rushing, I'm trying to get to bed and got to wake up at five. Both parents actually took a polygraph test and passed it, but the cops kept questioning the father. Now, this case bridges into the last one, so I'm not just throwing another case at you. Mm-hmm. This bridges in. Is the father the 16-year-old from the last case? That'd make a very good Netflix series, but No. Um, the cops kept questioning the father. They actually gave him seven different voice analyzers, and he failed every one of them. All right. Now, before, they were really suspicious of the father because about a little under two months ago, he actually left the family, moved uh-huh. out, but he still remained in contact with his, with his daughter. Mm-hmm. Now, this is from the father. Quote, we went to the Discovery Zone. She played so hard. I took Callie home at 830 that night. I love the Discovery Zone. As we pulled away, Judy was holding Callie. Judy's the mother. And Callie blew me a kiss goodbye and said, Daddy, I love you. Mm. Now, that was from the Democrat and Chronicle, 11 August, 1996. In case you want to go look it up. You also saw her parents on TV, and it was really sad. They, you know, unfortunately, her father was, was sobbing. Um and you could feel nothing but your heart breaking for the, the family. Volunteers handed out 500,000 copies initially. Within the first few weeks, they every this was wow. a big story. If you, like Grace says, if you lived in Rochester, you know this story. Yeah. You know that everyone knows this story. This is a big story. If you lived in Western New York in the summer of 1994, you knew about Kaylee. Like, her missing poster was everywhere, from businesses and street poles to rest stops on the interstate up here. And um, there was also a billboard with the same picture from the posters on one of our expressways. In fact, I found a newspaper article from 1995. Put yourself back to 1995. It said, Callie Ann Poulton was one of the first missing children cases to hit the World Wide Web. And then the article explained kind of what the Internet was. I was like, oh, wow, wow, this is like such a time warp. warp. And it, I actually tried to go to the Web page, but it's, it's like one of those angel fire <laughs> web, you know, oh. straight HTML websites, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's kind of cool that – not cool. Well, it's cool because the family was using every avenue they could. Truck drivers – Banded together, they delivered, hand-delivered flyers across everywhere they would stop. Flyers were stuffed in bills, like your electric bill had a flyer in it. They actually stapled these missing flyers to airline tickets for people traveling on airplanes. They were doing, they really wanted to find her, which is great. Unfortunately, it didn't work. It stuck with me probably because I was a teenager and because of tangent it's you know, being asked to help search for her the night she went missing kind of made it even more personal, I guess. Searching for a missing child, dark out, and you're being told, you know, to look in things and under things is kind of creepy. Because, um, you know, we all wanted her to be found alive someplace. You know, not, not, you know, you don't want to think about that. All right. Now, Callie's sightings were obviously reported everywhere, but nothing turned out. After 27 months of being missing, a woman called into the police. My name is Michelle Christie. Okay. I'm a newlywed wife of four weeks to a guy named Mark Christie. Does that name sound familiar? Mm -hmm. He's our other suspect. We got in a huge argument they've been they've been married four weeks and he bragged about killing four-year-old callie ann poulton to me in gruesome details she calls that in to her four week old four week year or four year 
her four week her four week husband to about her husband of four weeks. She called in about her husband of four weeks when he eventually confessed to his brand new wife of three weeks, which that I can't even imagine being a newlywed and having your spouse tell you that he confessed to his father and a coworker as well. The detectives went back to the school and they did something they should have fucking did before they put old Frankie boy in the box. They actually went to the attendance records instead of trusting some security guard. They probably got his facts wrong. And they looked at the attendance records of Mark Christie and sure as hell enough, he skipped school that morning. And he didn't come into 12. Uh, he shoot. fucking did it. It was over two years after she went missing that the truth finally was revealed and... It was just very, very sad around here. Uh, everyone, you know, parents went crazy because they were afraid it would be targeted. Um, the kids were, of course, pulled in even tighter than you normally would. He did it. Now you got Frank. Weird and Frank has been in prison. By the time Frank gets out of prison, he had spent 18 years of his life as a wrongfully uh, accused individual, uh, actually a part of the Innocent Project, his story's on the oh, innocentproject.org, yeah. individual that has served time. And Frank, I've seen interviews of him. He is not a vengeful or he doesn't hold grudges. So even after all this, he it's not like he's like, eh, you know, he was humble. I mean, he's obviously grateful to be out. It's shitty what happened. He didn't do nothing that day, you know. He has, he's innocent completely, 100%. And I'm going to prove it here in a second on Talk Murder Me podcast. The detectives, they get Mark Christie to agree to come to a dinner and talk about the case. He confesses to the detective that he killed Callie, and then he actually took them to her body. In the pretrial, his lawyer challenged his confession to the investigator because the investigator took him to a restaurant and was talking to him there. And apparently at the same time, a lawyer was trying to reach him at the sheriff's department. The court only allowed the statements that he made after he arrived at the sheriff's department, which a lot of people, you know, weren't quite happy with. Mark Christie at the time was a security guard working at the Nortel building at 175 Humboldt Street in Rochester, where he was a security guard. And the body of Callie, four years old when she was, she died, when she was, her cause of death was literature strangulation. Obviously, it was a lot more. I'm not getting into it. Use your imagination. She was weighted down. The body was weighted down in a 30,000-gallon cooling tank. The body was still there, and it was so well-preserved because of the coolant they used. The body was so well-preserved that they could see everything, you know. Wow. And there was no decomposition. They had to drain the tank to get her out. It's a very sad story. Oh. It reminds um, me of Chris oh Watts. Oh, my God. Yeah, exactly. It reminds me of Chris Watts, too. Scott Christie, which is the brother of Mark Christie, actually suspected his brother the whole time. Quote, if he had killed her, he would have buried her 20 feet under or along a shoreline. And then he recalls how he refused to allow anyone to enter his apartment during the search. He lived in the same apartment complex, not even 100 yards away. And after all the cops were searching. Now, this was he was 18 at the time. Yeah, about 18, 19 at the time, because this Mm -hmm. is three years after the Viola one. The cops were searching. They came to his door, you know, knock, knock, knock. Can I come in? No, I don't want you to. If they would have just connected the damn dots. Well, no, if they would have con- if they would have just went and saw the damn attendance record yeah, prior okay. instead of trying to put this innocent man in jail. And of course, hindsight's twenty twenty. This other murder would not have ever happened because he had been in prison. And one wonders, because that happened in 1988, if Christie had been caught for that, then Kayleigh would have never been his victim, which is really sad. You know? It's so random how he goes from someone a 74 to 4. Yeah, it is very random. Now, the the mother, Judy Gifford, Callie's mother, remembers Mark Christie 
in a very eerie way. In fact, he kept coming up to her and saying things like, out of all the girls that play around here, yours is by far the most attractive. Yours is the most prettiest. That's weird. Yeah. In fact, she comments, quote, he would comment again and again. He would tell me she was the most attractive girl here. It made me very uncomfortable, and I didn't want to be around him. Neighbors actually recalled that Mark Christie was evicted a few days after the Cali disappearance because of complaints that he had exposed himself to small children. Oh, my god! A gosh. few days after she goes missing. Why didn't you think that was suspe- suspicious? Right. Yeah, he would be number one on my list, actually. He did get evicted from the housing complex before anyone knew that he was the one that took her and murdered her. Um, a few weeks after she went missing because there were moms in the area saying that they saw him exposing himself to their kids. So, I mean, he was just a scumbag. I just can't believe how, like, it's just such a weird connection. It makes me think because going from such a swing in age from 70 to 4 is just, like, it's so inconsistent. It almost makes me wonder if there are others that he murdered. No, let me show you a picture of Mark Christie. This guy apparently is a very evil person. And you yeah. can see the evil. I'm going to show you a picture. The one, one of the pictures I found after he was sentenced, you can see how evil he is just from the way he looks. Oh, no. That's hey, him. Yeah. How evil does that guy look? Oh, he is bad. Yeah, he he's looks like man. he's a bad man. He looks like it. That guy looks fucking evil, man. Like, there's such thing as resting bitch face, but he is evil. Yeah. Like, it's fucking scary looking Look at, at that picture. Look at the way his eyebrows are like. It's just like, I'm going to fucking kill everyone. I mean, and here's all poor Frank. Like, oh. Now, Frank, yeah, poor Frank, man. I mean, yeah. Like, I want to say. Not hit sorry, the, lo- the, the they, looks lottery. They need to rewrite the damn rules on interrogation because there's way too many people getting arrested. I don't know why. Brandon Dassey, like this guy. But honestly, how can you? That's what everyone said. I know what you're going to say. How could you confess? No. It's some psychology thing. No No, one can figure it out yet. Not how can you confess. How can you accept a a confession where the person is not in in 100%? Yeah, completely. Thank you. He was was awake for 40 hours straight. Yeah, but but he still said he did it. But he's under the guys of hypnosis like how is that illegal well it's i mean it's it's what because um, he's he still says he said it once when we were talking about like it's really up to the lawyer to show that what you know we were talking about if someone's under the influence of alcohol or drugs when they confess it's up to the lawyer to do a good job to say like to get that confession thrown out or to cast shadow of a doubt upon it and like it's really unfortunate that they didn't do it because and that's probably because they didn't present an adequate um backup, you know, a, a different suspect to really point to. But not because, just like they could have with this guy because yeah. the other guy was a suspect, but they didn't follow through with that. Right, but not just that they didn't present it as he was hypnotized and then he confessed. It was let's do this relaxation technique and. Then he did that, but he clearly was not in this in a coherent state, yeah. you know. But I think it's because we know about like Brandy Dassey and all this stuff. But I mean, I, I mean, the jurors think about it. I mean, he said he did it. Like I don't know what but to do. Even after I mean, he said, even after he agreed that he did it, he said that he didn't do it. Yeah, but but the videotape I will, it's benefit like, of the doubt to the jury. He they did have other factors that's like, true it wasn't it's, just confession he left uh, yeah, 100 yards away from the true. crime scene his the whole brother thing like that's but the, the whole weird. cornerstone of the case was that confession tape i, I i'm not like, I, that was I'm just it. playing There's devil's no, advocate that there were that there were other right, factors though. you're that, right i i did forget to mention though dna was actually found on via um viola mm. genetic uh Genetic engineering DNA, and I'm not really well versed in how that works, but it was a new technology that came to age. And actually, the judge, for some reason, beknownst to me, denied Frank Sterling's defense team to order that testing. And the defense team what? had to go under their own in their own pockets and pay for the testing and actually go and get Mark Christie to agree 
to swab his DNA. I don't know how they did it. Mm. But then after that, because Frank spent another eight years in jail. So he was in jail for 18 years. With right. This. Well, I'm glad Robert Sterling is free now. And <clears throat> Frank you know. Sterling. They say Robert. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's his brother, right? Glenn's his brother. Whatever. <laughs> I have no idea. Thank you for covering my case as a case that I submitted. And I love you guys. Bye. Thank Aww. you, Grace. Thanks, Grace. We love you, too. This was a crazy episode. If you really enjoyed this episode and want to hear others like it, be sure to hit that subscribe button on whatever podcasting app you use. If you really like this episode, you can follow us on social media on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. If you're absolutely obsessed with this podcast and want to become our stalker, go to talkmurder.com slash join. Become a talk host primo. Get a badass t-shirt, sticker, swag, a lot of love. Shout it out all over the place. Tell me what story you want me to do. I'll research it and dedicate it to you every Thursday at Talk Murder to Me podcast. My name is John here with Jen and Nicole. And until next time... Good night, everyone. I don't have to say it. Why? Because you're too (laughs) cool? No, because he's a man. (laughs) And he has creative control. Yeah. Mm. Just Uh, in case you needed to be reminded. No, I didn't. I get reminded plenty. He likes to hear it, though. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, everyone's having a good time. Then all of a sudden, like, all of the seniors and upperclassmen, they're like, everyone, shut the fuck up. Like, shut up, shut up. Everyone quiet. Shh. Because, you know, there was a whole lot of underclassmen there because they saw that they're. So then this police officer comes in and he was like starting oh, to no. ID people or something like that. And I was like, oh, my God, this is not okay. This is not okay. Like, what's going to happen? I was like, well, I'm not drinking, so I guess I'll be fine, right? At least his act was convincing. Wait, so, you couldn't tell he was a stripper? I was naive. I was I mean, literally, he comes in with, like, short shorts she didn't, she didn't, and, like, the short, big sunglasses. She didn't notice she didn't that the pants like, were Lieutenant Velcroed Dangle. on. What's he his name, Lieutenant Dangle? I don't know. I don't know, but he, he wasn't wearing short shorts, number one. If I was a cop, I would also be a stripper because I could just leave straight from work in my uniform, yeah, you know, yeah. and hit that double shift. Baba black sheep, have you any wool? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Three bags full. So we've been watching The Wire. So I my terminology is probably going to change. Good. So just to give you a few words that might change instead of, um, oh, he just murdered that victim. I may say like, oh, he just caught a body, which catching a body, if you catch a body, that's like killing someone. Oh, kind of like fishing, how you catch fish? I can't, no, I think it's either killing someone or being around someone that has been killed, but you caught it. Well, not physically. And then, all right, if someone dies, if I'm like, oh, yeah, and then she died, I may say she got, got, she got, got, Mm -hmm. gotten, she, or whatever. She been had? No, no, not had. (laughs) She got got.